listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. If you have your Bible, by the way, I want to show you this. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 is where I'm starting. 1 Corinthians 1, and um, you saw the title. Hey, Zach Wilson, love you, buddy. Uh, Don't do this if you're gifted. Don't do this if you're gifted. Hey, Rachel Howard. Um, And so we're in 1 Corinthians 1, and uh, I want to show you something here that will stir up your faith. And uh, by the way, I know before we read this, that people are like, man, I don't know. Am I, am I even gifted? You are gifted. I put that in uh, the comments or in the title. Don't do this if you're gifted. Well, by the way, before you wonder whether or not you're gifted, you are gifted. You are gifted. Um, one of the things I talked about last night in the service is that we are all now like New Testament arcs of the covenant. All of us carry the power of God inside our bodies. Paul reminded the Corinthian church that the Holy Spirit lives in you. He's, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's 1 Corinthians 6. And um, every one of us carry the Holy Ghost. Now, if I took you over into the Gospel of John, you'll know that Jesus taught that the Holy Spirit is the ultimate teacher. He teaches us all things. And uh, John wrote that, I believe that's in 1 John. The Gospel of John says that he'll lead us and guide us into all truth. So the Holy Spirit, one of his main jobs is to lead and guide his people into all truth. He is the teacher. There's nothing that you cannot know, cannot learn, because the Holy Spirit teaches you. You are gifted because you've got the Holy Ghost. You know, there's no use uh, wondering, you know, I wonder what gifts of the Spirit the Lord has put in my life. You know, there's been this teaching or this understanding that certain people only have certain gifts of the Spirit. If you've heard that, throw a hand up in the comments section. This teaching that, you know, certain people uh, only have certain gifts of the Spirit. Well, she operates in tongues and interpretation. That's really her gift. You've heard people talk like that. That's really her gift. You know, he's really got a great ministry to sick people. That's, you know, he operates in the gift of healing. That's really his gift. Well, understand, none of them are your gift. They're all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're his gifts. They're his gifts. So don't ever listen to that teaching. Well, this person's got the man. He really has that gift. That's the gift he up. No, it's not your gift. It's the Holy Spirit's gift. That's why they're called the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're his gifts, the nine gifts. But understand this, you do have 
the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Hey, Pastor Murray, Shanu, love you a lot, man. You do have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you permanently. And because he's the giver of the gifts, watch this, you now have access to all of the gifts of the Spirit, all of them. Because if the giver of the gifts lives in your body, then you've got access to the gifts that he gives. And so I do want to encourage you at the outset and tell you, you are gifted. You are gifted. And so don't doubt it. Don't ever wonder if you are. In fact, one of the things that stood out to me that really got me to understand this a lot is before uh, Paul the Apostle ever even became an apostle. He was still Saul. He was still persecuting the church. Before he ever wrote this letter to the Corinthians, this first letter, we're in 1 Corinthians, but before he ever wrote it, Peter and John were apostles of Jesus Christ. And in the book of Acts, chapter 3, the Bible says that they're going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, right? And as they're going up to the temple, they encounter a lame man beside the gate and he's begging for alms. And the Bible says that Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. That's an important phrase. Such as I have give I thee, or I'll give you. And so this really stood out to me, and I want it to stand out to you as well. Paul had not done the teaching yet on the gifts of the Spirit to the church. He'd not written that letter. So nobody had truly identified by name the gifts of the Spirit. Nobody was talking about the gift of faith. Nobody was talking about uh, tongues and interpretation as a gift of the spirit. Nobody was talking about that. They'd seen it happen. They'd seen prophecy. They'd seen healing. They'd seen miracles. They'd seen faith, but nobody had defined the nine gifts of the spirit as Paul does in first Corinthians. So it's interesting to me that Peter and John, when they get in into this place where this man needs a miracle, they didn't start arguing with each other about which gift they had. Well, which gift do you operate in, John? Morning, Mindy, Raul, Eric. <coughs> Notice they didn't say, well, 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 Peter, which gifts do you have? Well, I, I only do tongues and interpretation. I've, I don't know if this is for me. And then what about you, John? Well, really for me, I'm only, I'm a prophecy and discerning of spirits guy. I, that's, that's just, that's my gifts. No, notice that they didn't discuss or argue about which gifts that they had, didn't need to, because they had an understanding that because we have the Holy Ghost, we have what you need. That's what they were saying to the lame man. We have something and it's something you need. And when we give it to you, hear that, when we give it to you, all will be well. Hallelujah. 
all will be well, such as I have. In fact, I want you to write that phrase, that short phrase, in the comments section this morning. Such as I have. Please write that in. If you're watching me on Facebook, Periscope, Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube, I should say, put that in the comments. Such as I have. Very important phrase. Very important phrase. Such as I have. Hey, Carla. That's such an important phrase because it is spoken with the understanding I've got something in me. But that doesn't, it doesn't end there. Look at this. I've got something in me that I can give away. Hallelujah. At will. And when I give it, it will change your life. Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Such as I have. You have something, Holy Ghost, that when you impart it, when you give it, it brings a change to whoever you give it to. Thank you, Jesus. It brings a change to whoever you give it to. The impartation of the Holy Ghost. Well, in that sense then, every one of us, you and everybody else watching, you are gifted by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So don't ever again, hey Zach, don't ever again Think to yourself, well, I'm not gifted. I, I'm not one of those gifted people. You are. You are. And I'm going to read. That's why I had you turn to 1 Corinthians 1. I'm going to read to you what Paul wrote. Now, you might try to argue, well, what he was saying here was really only for the ch church in Corinth. This, what he said, what you're about to read, that was only for them. But it's not just for them. Because when you understand why he said it, which is what I just explained to you, then you know that what was true about them is true about you. So we're in 1 Corinthians, and if you're just now logging on to the broadcast, please do me a favor and share the broadcast today. Let's get this word out. If we're going to start, let's start in um, the, ver the fourth verse. 1 Corinthians 1, 4, and let's read through verse 8. 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 8, okay? Listen to this. Paul writes, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Verse 5, now listen to this. Hear it, that in every way, every way, every way, not some ways, every way, you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, hallelujah, verse six, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. Now, verse seven is what I want you to get. So that you are not lacking any gift as you wait 
for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to read that one again because I want you to catch it. You are not lacking in any gift. Thank you, Jesus. As you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 8, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So look what, look what Paul is writing to these believers. <clears throat> he said, you don't lack <laughs> in any gift. Glory to God. I mean, that, that, that's true for you. It's true for me. It wasn't just true for the Corinthians. It's true for anybody who's got the Holy Ghost. Because if you've got the Holy Ghost, he's the giver of the gifts. And so you don't lack in any gift. Oh, hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. Somebody put it in the comments section. I don't lack any gift. I don't lack any gift. I don't lack any gift. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That's it. You don't lack any gift. Hallelujah. That's your de declaration of faith today because it's truth. I don't lack any gift. Now let me pair that with 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. That's it. You put it in the comments. I don't lack any gift. I don't lack any gift. Hallelujah. Now let's pair that Let's pair that with 1 John chapter 2 and verse 27. This is such a powerful, powerful verse of scripture. I mean, they're all powerful, but this one just really stands out, especially in this context. 1 John 2, 27. But the anointing that you received from him abides in you, glory to God, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. So the Holy Spirit is a teacher, right? The Holy Spirit is a teacher. He's the perfect teacher. He has all knowledge. He has all wisdom. He has all understanding. Three characteristics that make him the perfect teacher. All wisdom, all knowledge, all understanding are in the Holy Ghost. That's why, as John said, he can lead you and guide you into all truth. Reason he can, he has it all. He has it all. And he lives in you 
But now look at verse 27 because it's so, it's so powerful. I'm going to read it again. But the anointing that you received from him abides in you and you don't have any need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything. About everything. Do you know it's, and I give God all the praise for this and I'm going to say it. <clears throat> he gets all the glory for this. He honestly does. Because I promise you, and you've heard me say it before, I'll keep bragging on the Holy Spirit. Anything, thank you, Hank, anything that I have learned at all, anything, anything good, anything that pertains to my purpose, my ministry, any skill I've been able to develop, I've not gone to school or university for those things. The Holy Ghost taught me. I want to say that so he gets the glory. It's nothing to do with me. The Holy Ghost is the one who taught me. If you've ever seen me play the piano and sing, lift a hand in the comments. If you've ever seen me play, play the piano and sing, and I use the term sing very loosely. <laughs> If you've ever seen me do it, live in service or online or whatever, hey, Grace. Well, if you've seen me play and if you've seen me sing, one of the things you may not know, but maybe you do, is that I've not had any piano lessons. Not any. Not any. I mean, maybe if, if you're hearing that for the first time, that would surprise you. Maybe it would blow your mind to hear that I've not had any piano lessons ever. Nothing. And it's been the Holy Spirit who has anointed my mind to retain knowledge. So let me tell you how that happened if you don't know. I had a real desire to praise and worship God. And as my father and my mother would travel with R.W. Shambach under the tents, we'd be under the tents. And I loved the worship, loved the praise. I'd listen to Brother Lance Palmer sing and play, the band play, watch the people praise. I'd be praising. And I had such a desire in me to do that. I'd dance and I'd shout during the whole service. But then... I had this desire. I wanted to be watching the band. I, I wanted to watch. So I started, I'd go stand over to the side of the platform and I'd watch. Then I got a little bit more um, boldness and I'd walk up the stairs on the side of the platform, kind of just watch their hands and watch Brother Lance play and Willie Isaac, who played the organ, watch him play. And then I uh, built up more boldness and I'd sit down on the organ next to brother Willie and I'd watch him play the organ and I'd watch Lance play the keyboard and sing had this desire and brother Shambach would come every out every night he'd see me sitting over there and he'd just kind of shake his head and smile I'd be sitting over there and then every tent crusade would end on a Sunday afternoon service which he called the children's blessing service and he would lay hands on every child, every teenager, 
and pray a ninefold blessing over the children. So I came through the line and he stopped when he got to me. He said, and he asked the Lord to give me that gift that I desired so much, that gift of praise and worship. Bam, laid his hands on me. Power of God came on me. And I was a young teenager at the time. Well, it was right after that. Somebody, a friend of our family, Brother David Blay, Brother Dave Blay, we were at his house. I was there with my, my family. And Brother Dave Blay and his wife gave me a keyboard. They said, we've had this keyboard and uh, we, wanted to, we wanted to give it to you. And I still have that keyboard. I'll probably, I'll never get, never get rid of it. I'll never get rid of it. I still have that keyboard in my studio today. It's a Roland D50, one of the originals. That keyboard was produced and released in 1987. 1987. They gave it to me probably around 1997, 1996, 97. Yeah, it was probably 90, 10 years old. And so they gave me this keyboard. I brought it home and I began to just play. I put it up in my room on a stand and it sat on my bed and I began to play, 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 play. I had no lessons, no teaching. I would just play. I would get, I went to Barnes and Noble, maybe back then it was Walden Books where we live. And I went in and I bought what was called a chord dictionary or a chord encyclopedia. And it had every chord that you could play inside. And it had, uh, you know, the dots on the keys. And then it had a picture of someone's hands playing the chords. And so I would just look at that keyboard manual and I would just learn the chords. And the Holy Spirit who gave me the mind of Christ, who gives you the mind of Christ, I would just uh, retain that knowledge. And then I would have... Uh, worship leaders like Brother Lance Palmer did it for me and others. If there was a song I really loved, I would say, hey, would you please give me a chord chart or a number chart of that song? And then I would take it home. If we were in meetings with my dad and I heard a worship team do a song, I'd say, hey, could you uh, in the church office make me a copy of that chord chart for that song you guys did? And I built up a little um, collection and I would take them home, and if I didn't know the chords that were on the sheet, I'd open that chord encyclopedia, chord dictionary, and I'd say, oh, there it is, that's how you play. And the Holy Spirit would help me to remember, and I never forgot anything, not anything. Now that's supernatural, because I don't have a photographic memory, but I have the mind of Christ. And I never forgot anything that anybody ever showed me or gave me, and the Holy Spirit began to teach me. And that's why I'm dealing with this today. Don't do this if you are gifted. And there's three things that I want to deal with. And the first one is what I'm talking about right now. Brittany said that's exactly how she learned, by the Holy Spirit. That's amazing, Brittany. That's how the Lord does it. And so the first thing that I want you to be aware of if you're a gifted person, which you are, as I explained at the beginning of this broadcast, 
is don't rely on your gifting with no dedication or diligence. That's a mistake. Avoid that. Don't do that as a gifted person. Don't rely on the gifting with no dedication. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this take place. People have a gift so they don't feel like they need to hone it or work towards it or perfect it or practice it. Well, I just pick it up. I'm just gifted. No, that's not an excuse just because you're gifted. There's Dave Condon. Love you, buddy. And so if you're gifted, if you're anointed at something, it doesn't mean that you don't practice, that you don't perfect, that you don't work at it or dedicate yourself. On the contrary, having a gift in a certain area of your life is a sign to you that that's where you need to dedicate yourself. Oh man, I'm going to say that again. Seeing that gift rise up for your purpose, that's a sign to you that that's an area of your life that you need to pursue and dedicate and be diligent in. I'll use uh, Brother Dave Condon, because he's on, as an example. Well, he's a phenomenal worship leader, praise and worship leader, at Champion Christian Center in uh, Cannonsburg in Washington, Pennsylvania. Phenomenal guitar player and singer. And he's got a gift, without question, he has a gift. But it would be wrong for him to say, you know what, I don't need to have band practice with the band. They can all just follow me, we're gifted, I've got this down, I could wing it. I don't need to pick up a guitar uh, if I'm not leading worship through the week, I don't need to pick up a guitar. I don't ever need to warm up my vocals. I don't even need to practice new things. That's a mistake. That's putting your life into cruise control and thinking you don't need to dedicate or be diligent in that area of your life. That is something, if you study scripture, that angers God. It angers God. It angers him because God expects constant increase. If God gives you a gift, if he gives you a talent, which you have, you are to go after that thing and dedicate yourself to it and be diligent in that area. That's exactly right. Zach Wilson makes the point, this is stewardship just like any other area. In the same way that you would steward your finances, you're to steward your gifts and talents. I think of the example in scripture of Matthew 25, it's the parable of the talents. And you know the story, I've used it on the broadcast many times before, that the master gives talents to his three servants, different levels of talents. One got five, one got two, and the other got one talent. And the master went away on a trip, and the Bible says that when he came back, he checked on his servants. The one who had five given to him worked and turned it into 10, increase, increase. The one who was given two worked and worked and was diligent and turned it into four. And the one who had one, notice what he did, buried it in the ground. Oh man, catch this now. 
buried it in the ground. And when he did, the master returned and he said, you wicked and lazy servant. Now, it doesn't mean the servant didn't have a gift. He did. He had a talent given to him. It was in his hand. The master had given it to him. So he didn't say, you giftless, talentless servant. No, he had a talent. He had something that was given to him that he was supposed to invest and multiply. But he didn't. He buried it in the ground. And because he did, there was no increase. And when the master returned, he was rebuked for the lack of increase on his talent. And then the master said two more things that show you how serious this is. He said, now, take that talent away from that man and give it to the one who has 10. Well, that seems very unfair. That's not equal distribution. God's not into equal distribution. That's not who God is. I love you, Dave. You're welcome. That's not who God is. God's not a socialist. He's not a communist. He's not into the equal distribution of wealth. God rewards faithfulness and diligence. Rewards it. The one who had 10. By the way, in case you think that it started that way, that God just sovereignly picked and chose, or the master here in, the, in this story, that God just sovereignly picks and chooses, that's not right. That's not true at all. Morning, John Luke. Matthew 25 is an interesting par parable because I wanted to show you something. The Bible says, <clears throat> he called his servants and trusted him his property. He gave to one five talents, to another two, to another one. But look at this, look at this. Hey, Jerry, Accord to each according to his ability. Man, people skip over that. How many times have you read through this parable and that was skipped over? I mean, literally, if, you, if that's you, throw a hand up. You've, you've either heard this preached or taught or you read it and this very important point was skipped over. I mean, how many of you have heard this taught as though the master just randomly decided to give one five, to give one two, and to give one one. Like he just had this sovereign nature. So, well, you know, I think I'm going to give him five. I think I'm going to give him two. That's not what he did. He didn't do that. Notice the scripture here. Verse 15. To get to one, he gave five talents. To another, he gave two. To another one. To each according to his own ability. So let's, let's just say that from the very beginning. Get that from the beginning. The one who got five, he didn't get five because the master randomly decided to give him five. He got five because the master had been watching his abilities. He said, man, here's a guy who can handle five. That's why he got five. Because the master watched his dedication and diligence and said, you know what? I can entrust him with five. He's a man that can handle five. But then he looked at the other man and said, you know what? 
This man, he can handle two. I might not be able to give him five, but I know I can give him two. And then he looked at the third man and said, here's a guy. And you know, by the way, the master was right about his servants, wasn't he? Because it's almost like this last guy got a trial run. <laughs> not giving you five and I ain't giving you two, but I'll give you one. See how you do with it. And the master was proven right. Because when he came back, the one who had five stayed on what he'd been doing in the past, turned it into 10. The one who'd gotten two continued on like he had in the past, turned it into four. And the master was right about the one he gave one because he buried it in the ground. When he came back, it had not increased at all. And the master said, now, give the one to the one who has 10 and take this servant and cast him into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. Wow, that's verse 30, by the way, Matthew 25, 30. That should show you how serious God is about what he has entrusted you with. Listen to me. If you've got an anointing to sing and an ability to sing that God's given you and you just sit in the pew every Sunday and just sing along with everybody and don't volunteer your time with your church's worship team and give your time and talent to the kingdom of God, you have taken that gift and talent and buried it in the ground. I know that's a heavy word for people to hear. That's a heavy word for people to hear, but I'm saying it anyway because I want you to understand the power of this parable. If God's put a, a gift and a talent, it would be wrong of me. They've got a keyboard set up right over here that's not anyone, anybody's playing in the church. They've got it up because they know that I play and sing. It would be wrong of me to just take that talent that I described to you earlier and say, well, I used to do that. You know, I used to do that. That's what I used to be. But now I'm a preacher. No, that anointing to praise God is still on my life. I'm not burying that in the ground. I'm not going to get rid of it because God gave it to me. It would be wrong. It'd be wrong of me to say, you know what? I'm beyond that now. No, God gave me the gift. It's, and by the way, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance, which means once he gives them, he doesn't take them back. Let me just say it again. Yeah. Well, and Christina, what I'm saying, you hear me. You start with the door that's already open. See, here's what people miss. They're waiting for things that are above and beyond, but they've not. That's why I told a guy, he's believing to hold crusades overseas. He hasn't even told his next door neighbor about Jesus. If the Lord doesn't, can't trust you to preach Jesus to your next door neighbor, why would he open doors for you to hold crusades on a field overseas somewhere? You start with the doors that are already open. Oh, thank you, Jesus. See, why would God open up bigger doors if you don't walk through the doors that are already open? That's why the Bible says, if you're faithful over a little, 
He'll make you ruler over much. Woo! Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Let me tell you how I started. Because everybody always wants to go straight to the top. Everybody sees it and says, I want to be on TV. I want to be singing. In front. I want to sing the special on Easter Sunday. I want to, right? Nobody saw me. Nobody saw me when my first thing was, my youth pastor approached me and said, start a youth praise and worship team for our little youth group. And we put a group of guys together that could barely play. And I had a drummer that couldn't keep time. And I had a, a bass player that knew a few notes. And I knew I had a guitar player that played pretty well, but he was just getting started. Me, I knew like five songs. And we came together and we, we started a youth praise and worship team. It wasn't glamorous. We weren't touring the countryside. We were meeting, for anybody that's watching from uh, Calvary Temple, we were meeting in Sanctuary 2 <laughs> and having youth group and having praise and worship for about 20 to 30 kids. Some of them who didn't even engage. And so I'd get up there, I'd be faithful to show up early with my team. <clears throat> an hour, an hour and a half early. And we'd set up everything. Ourselves, by the way, we didn't have roadies. I'd come in early, hour and a half, set up our gear, set up our amps, set up a sound check, and then practice all of our songs. Practice all of our songs. And sit there and get ready for the youth to come. And then we'd get in and we'd, youth come in, we'd lead the worship and we'd lead every, all the young people into worship praise before Pastor Donnie Wagner would preach the message. And then, guess what? When that was all done, we weren't done. Because now we got to tear down and clean up. Everybody doing that for us. So we'd finish. And you know what I would do? We'd put our equipment away. We'd take all the cords and cables, quarter inch cables, XLR cables, and we begin to wrap cords ourselves and put them all away and vacuum, clean up the sanctuary. That's not glamorous. You did all that work for 20 people. Everybody's like, I want to sing the spell. I want to be on television singing to the nations. I want to go on TBN. I want to. And they've never even been faithful to do what's open to them right now. Do you know the reason that God was able to continue to promote is because I was, I would be faithful no matter where I was. As Jerry said earlier, bloom where you're planted, bloom where you're planted. And if you're faithful over a little, he can make you ruler over much. Nobody accidentally gets promoted. Nobody accidentally has increase hit their life. You've got a bloom and it's, you know what it is? If you've got a gift if you've got a talent, then guess what? You've got to be faithful with what's been given to you. Huh. Amen. If you've got a gift to sing and you're not in your worship team at your church, what's the problem? Well, I just, I just don't think they have a place for me. I just don't think they, they work well with it. I don't, I don't like the, the dynamic. Get over yourself. You're not Mariah Carey. You're not Justin Timberlake. Get up there and give your gift and talent to the Lord. If you've got gifts and talents, they're for the Lord. Thank you, Jerry. Huh. 
Ben said, my talent is getting all my gear from one car to the stage in one trip. I'm telling you. You know exactly what I'm talking about, Ben. We used to do things. <laughs> I would pack the band up. I, had a, I got to drive a van that was given. The van itself was demon-possessed. The, the radio would just randomly come on and start playing different stations. Nobody touched any buttons. <laughs> I'd cast, happen in the middle of the night when you're driving back home, you're casting demons out. <laughs> and I'm just telling you, we'd load the band up and we'd drive out to Uniontown, Pennsylvania. And we'd hold meetings there. We'd set the tent up in the projects. And we'd go do stuff there. Then drive home an hour, whatever what it would take. Set up, tear down, go home late nights. And you know what? Excited to do it. Excited to do it. Very excited. You know why? God was allowing us to do what we were called to do. Hallelujah. If you've got a gift, don't stop being diligent and dedicated to the gift that's put in your life. By God. And so you are gifted. You are talented. You are anointed. But don't ever just rely. You know, Michael Jordan was a phenomenal basketball player, but he practiced like nobody's business. He was so dedicated. Do you know he was so competitive that he wouldn't even let people beat him in practice? He wouldn't even let people beat him in practice. And you think, oh, Michael Jordan, he didn't need to practice. Oh, he practiced and hard and would play in practice like he was playing in the game and would not let you beat him. I'll tell you a story if you didn't know this. When the Olympics started allowing basketball to be one of the sports that was in the Olympics, the very first dream team played. Some of you are old enough to remember the first dream team, 1992. NBA players, and I think they allowed a couple of college MVPs like Christian Leitner on the team. And uh, they put together the dream team. And it was Michael Jordan. It was Magic Johnson. It was Larry Bird. It was Charles Barkley. It was Hakeem Olajuwon. It, all these phenomenal players on the first dream team. And the coach, Chuck Daly, was smart. He knew that these were all alpha males and they were all competitive. First of all, there were, whole, there were years where Larry Bird and Magic Johnson wouldn't even talk to each other. That was how strong the rivalry was between the Lakers and the Celtics. They were so, it wasn't like today where everybody's friends and everybody's trying to get each other on their same team. Back then, if you tried that, those guys would have laughed in your face. Few think Larry Bird was going to leave Boston to go to Los Angeles, play for the team he hated with all of his heart. You've lost your mind. And Chuck Daly knew this. And so I heard this story, which is really an awesome story. He scheduled some scrimmage games for these guys before they started traveling for the Olympics to play other nations. And... Um, I can't remember if it's that he, he had them play against the um, like the, the college all-star team or if they played against <clears throat> the team that won the national championship. But <clears throat> that's what he scheduled. And so he got up there and um, Chuck Daly did something interesting that really was kind of a trick. He would put players in 
and uh, to play the college team, but then he would take guys off the floor. Michael, come sit down. Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, come sit down. He'd put backup guys in. And the game was getting closer and closer. And he kept taking the stars off the floor until by the end of the game, the NBA dream team had lost the game to the college team. And those guys, and it was smart because Chuck Daly wanted them to feel what it felt like to lose. Because if you go into the world with that kind of pride that we're the best, nobody can touch us, you're set for a fall. And so he goes in, they lose the first game. The guys, the stars were so angry about it, so angry. They demanded an immediate rematch right then and there. And so they go back out on the floor. Michael's out there, Magic, Larry, Hakeem, the whole team, Charles Barkley, they're out there on the floor. And now they won't even look over at the bench to see their coach. They won't even look at him. He tried to call people out of the game. They won't even look at him. We're not coming out. We're not coming out of the game. And they beat that team. They beat that college team so badly. I remember reading something somewhere. I can't remember the exact. You could look it up, I'm sure, on the internet. But the score was like 90 to 3. I mean, like, spanked them. Spanked them. And wouldn't come out. Would not come out of the game. Why? Because when you start to realize this, these were all gifted, but they weren't just gifted. These were dedicated. You go look at, you go read about Larry Bird. The man was a shooting machine. Do you know how much he shot? You know how much he shot throughout the week? You know how many free throws he shot? You know how many three-pointers he took throughout the week? You know how much he dedicated himself? All these guys. You go look at the life of Tiger Woods, of what he was like as a boy. His father pushed him. So, wow, he's just really got a gift to play. Oh, yeah, if that's what you think, go look at his life story. And I'm just telling you, dedication to the gift is what not only pleases God, but keeps you in a place where God can continue to expand you and increase you. That's number one. Number two, Another thing you've got to be careful of if you're gifted and talented, which you are, is saying yes to everything. You're not called to solve every problem. And this is something, by the way, that you have to know what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. What you're called to do, what's attached to your purpose, and what's not. So let me say this to you. You're not called to solve everybody's problem. And when you're gifted and people can see that you are, they'll try to pull on you for everything, everything, everything. I promise you on this one. I promise you. You know it. I mean, throw your hand up if you know what I'm talking about. Soon as people find out you've got a gift and a talent, they're calling you for everything, this, that, and the other trying to get you to do it. And it'll burn you out if you say yes to everything. You're not called to solve every problem. Only the ones God assigned to you. Oh, hallelujah. Well, Ben, you're right. That is a hard one to learn. And, and people that are gifted have to learn it. Otherwise, 
you will destroy other important parts of your life. It'll destroy your family life because you're never around your family. You're just always solving problems for other people. Well, I'm working 100 hours a week, but uh, you know, you know, 40 of it isn't even stuff that's your own stuff. It's other people pulling you left, right. And I'm not talking about the time you give to your church or your local assembly. But if you don't guard yourself, the enemy will just try to have you doing busy work to burn you out and get you a place where you can't even produce properly anymore. And you got to watch that. Only do what the Lord's called you to do. Only use the gifts and talents for things that are attached to your purpose. That's exactly right, Zach. Zach makes the point that the servant with five talents, who turned it into ten, couldn't take the one from the other servant until the master told him to because it wasn't his responsibility. And that's exactly right. You've got to be directed by the master. Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. I'm not going to do anything the Lord didn't tell me to do. That's how you burn out. That's how you get into a place of problems. That's where other areas of your life begin to suffer. Your kids, your wife, your husband, whatever. Things you got to get done around the house. Other things that pertain to your life personally. Because you're saying yes to, well, I love them, brother. I love people. I understand you love people. I understand you love people. But love what's important first. Love God. Love your family. And your business and ministry come after that, not before it. I watched as ministers, and I go back and you can go back in time and see it. Even ministers that had powerful ministries had them at the expense of their own family because they had it out of order. It was first their relationship with God, then their ministry, and then their family. And some of them, their children don't even serve the Lord. Powerful ministries, powerful ministries, but their families were affected because they put their ministries above their personal families. That's not what you're called to do. You're called to have a relationship with God first, and then you're called to take care of your family, your wife, your husband, your children. And then your business comes after that. Your ministry comes after that. Do you understand? That's why Paul said it's better, if possible, for people to be single. The reason he was saying that was not because he was against marriage. It was because he was saying, if you don't have that connection that you're responsible for, then you can more fully focus on what the Lord has called you to do. But he said, also, you don't want to end up burning with lust. So if you can't control yourself, get married. So that the point he was making was not marriage is bad. It's that if you want to be fully sold out to purpose only, then you have to do it by sacrificing a personal relationship. Because once you have one, that's your purpose above your ministry or your business. Amen. I know people don't like to hear that because it doesn't sound super spiritual. My God, my ministry's above. Your ministry's not above all. What good does it do to gain the whole world and lose your own soul or lose your children's souls or lose your wife's soul or lose your husband's soul? Oh, but you preach to a lot of people. You had a phenomenal business. Who cares? Who cares? It's your family that needs you first. 
Amen. Amen. I actually came late to the broadcast today because I was spending extra time with my family this morning. Amen. Not because I slept in, because I was spending extra time with my wife, extra time with my son, extra time with my daughter, hugging on them, giving them kisses, hanging with them, and left late. Got here a few minutes before the broadcast started. Well, that's important to me, more important than being here 45 minutes ahead of time and getting all the You're not suffering because of it. You're being blessed. Nobody that's watching this broadcast is suffering this morning because I spent extra time with my family. But that's first, before the broadcast. That's right. Rachel said, I have a pastor friend who would not accept that principle and ended up losing both ministry and family. Yeah, you got to do it God's way. And so don't say yes to everything. Say yes to what you're called to. Say yes to what is part of your purpose. And then throw everything out that's not, that doesn't pertain to you. You know, when you hear the largest ministries in the world live by that principle, that's what Bishop Oedepo said. You know what he said? He said, unless God told us to do it, let it go undone. That's huge. Well, that's exactly right, AJ. AJ said, you'll do more for the kingdom of God with a whole marriage and family anyway. Yeah, you'll be stronger. You'll be stronger with the support of your family and with a, a peaceful home and a joyful home and no distress and turmoil in your home. Of course, no question. No question. And people are watching. They can tell if your family's a mess. People would be able to tell if my wife, you know, she never came to any services. She just stayed home, stayed in the house. Oh, folks, my wife is here. She flew in on Monday, but she's not been coming to the services. She's just feeling like she needs to stay back at the hotel. No, people can tell if you're standing next to somebody and there's just total tension between the two. They know people aren't dumb. They can tell. And it blesses people to see that you have a fruitful marriage and a fruitful relationship with your children. My kids will come up, and I'm not, I'm not saying this to brag, I'm saying because people have commented on it. My son, who was sitting with me last night, and he was on the front row, he'll just grab my hand while he's down there, and he'll start kissing my hand. He'll just grab my hand and start kissing it. My girls will run up and just start kissing me. And people say, man, I love that, how your kids will just come up and kiss you. They'll come up and hug on you. Yeah, because I love them. And I show them, and I tell them, and they love me. Amen. And that's why the Bible says that if you're going to be somebody that leads the body of Christ or the house of God, you first have to lead your own house well. Because if you can't lead your house, how can you lead God's house? That's why it was a prerequisite for the leaders of the church. Have to have a wife that respects you. You have to have children that respect you and serve the Lord. Why? Because if you can't even win them to Jesus, how are you going to win anybody else to Jesus? If you can't even have your house in order, how can you keep God's house in order? You can't. And that's the whole point. There's a progression. It starts with your relationship with the Lord, then your family, then your ministry or business. You have to invest in your family. That's right. Have to. So number two, don't take things on and say yes to everybody and solve every problem. They're not all for you to solve. 
there's a lot of things going on in the world that, I'm, that are, you know, need to be solved, but I'm not called to solve them. I'm not called to, I'll pray about it, but I'm not going to go start doing stuff the Lord didn't tell me to do. Let me give you number three before I pray for you. The third thing that you got to avoid as a gifted person, which you are a gifted person. Number three, keeping the praise. Huh. Keeping the praise. Avoid that at all costs. Don't keep God's praise. Because when you're gifted and when you're talented, people know it, they can sense it, they can see it, and they'll try to heap praise on you. Amen. And when they try to heap praise on you, don't ever feel like, yeah, I'm worthy of that praise. They need to keep it coming. They need, they need to be, don't take God's praise. That's why to start this broadcast, I started by giving God and the Holy Spirit all the praise for any talent or gift that I have. He gave it to me. It's not mine. He gave it to me. I'm not going to take now. Let me say this, because one of the big things that irritates me more than anything is when people have false humility. I can't, listen, I can't stand false humility. It's one of the grossest things that you'll ever encounter. It's gross. And people come up, you know, Oh man, you did a great job singing that special. Oh, amen. All, all glory to him. Amen. Oh, it's, it's him. It's his glory. Hallelujah. People get all, it's false humility. Can't stand it. It's gross. <laughs> uh, hey, you did a great job on the guitar today. Oh, thank you. Oh, it's all glory to him. Amen. He's a gizgol. It was his fingers playing. Don't look at me, brother. Don't look at me. It's just him. He's in me. I'm it. Please. Don't be that person. It's gross. There's nothing wrong with just saying thank you. Just say thank you and move on. Practice it. Thank you. Can't stand false humility. If somebody gives you a compliment, say thank you and move on. Don't let the compliment go to your head. Don't let it make you think, I'm the greatest there ever was. I was listening to a dude, he was older now, the, the CD's older, but we had on the MP3 on streaming, and this dude comes out, he's doing a live album recording for his, for, for his album, it's a live, a live album, and he's got somebody, like a hype man, it was a woman, hype woman, hyping him up before he comes out to start the concert. And you know how they do. It's like, it was like a gospel record. So you know that the gospel flow. You know, everybody's all ready to go. We start with praise. And here, here she comes up and she's going off, you know, get ready for the breakthrough of praise. And then she says, and I, I still laugh at this to this day because it's straight up stupid. It's straight up stupid. I'll make fun of it every time. I like the song, but I make fun of it every time it comes on. Because <clears throat> it's stupid. She gives this phrase. And now I want you to put your hands together 
for the prince of praise and worship. It's like, really? The prince of praise and worship? We're well, going to come out with a little crown on. Instead of jewels, it has like piano keys or like, a, you know, a guitar, a little mini guitar on the crown. You're the prince of praise and worship for real. I turned to my wife one time. I said, I'm the pawn of praise and worship. <laughs> Put your hands together for the prince of praise and worship. And then shout his name. <laughs> Buddy, if you're calling yourself the prince of praise and worship, might be time to get introspective. Might be time to get introspective. What a stupid thing to say. The prince of praise and worship. Stupid. And that's how people get. They start taking God's praise. That's right, I'm wonderful. There's people that think they're rock stars. They think they're rock stars. Come out. I had a pastor tell me he, he scheduled one of these famous praise and worship leader guys come to his church. And, uh, you know, some of these people now, and I understand. Can I make a comment here? Let me just make a comment. Receive this when I say it. If you're going to be a rock star, then be that. I mean, if that's the whole thing that you want to do, even if you're a, a praise and worship recording artist or whatever you might be, if that's the route you're going to go, where you're like, listen, I'll come to your church, but we, 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 we need $10,000 for every appearance. And this, this happens, by the way, in case you didn't know. We need $10,000 for every appearance. It has to be given to us in a, by, by a cashier's check. We need a cashier's check for $10,000. There's a contract that you get in the, in the email you have to agree to the contract, got to sign the contract. There's also stipulations. We need this kind of a hotel room. We need this many plane tickets. We need to have, we have this many people with us. We need these kinds of accommodations in the green room. We only need this type of water. We need blue M&Ms. You know, it's, it's that kind of thing. Okay. If that's who you're going to be, all right, because whoever brings you in is agreeing to it anyway. They've chosen to bring you and they've chosen to say yes to all your crazy demands. So if that's who you're going to be, then that's okay, fine. But don't call it a ministry. Don't call it a ministry. Don't stand up after you've taken your $10,000 cashier's check and drank your uh, special water and you've eaten your blue M&Ms and you've got your special Charmin triple ply toilet paper that had to be put in your hotel suite and get up on the plate. I'm just so happy to be here to minister to you tonight. You ain't ministering. It's a show. Call it what it is. It's a concert that we've come to attend and watch you sing. It ain't a ministry because that's not how ministry functions. So for every person that wants to operate that way, operate that way. But it ain't a ministry because you didn't do it by faith. You're not doing it by faith. And there's no faith in it. And you know how the attitude gets because I've had multiple pastors tell me. I've had people get out. They arrive at our church and the first, yeah, there's one that actually knows. Aaron Stearns wrote, the interior of the blacked out Tahoe must be 73 degrees when picking me up. Those are things you'll see 
on somebody's rider that they email you before they come. If I had to live that way, I would get out of the ministry. You'd never see me again. I would go sell used cars in Timbuktu. I need the car to be at 73 degrees. Who are you? And so I was talking to this, I was telling this pastor, he said, we had the person that we scheduled to come be at our church for worship. Step out of the car. I personally, as the senior pastor, went outside to greet them and said, hey brother, so happy you're here. So glad you're at the church. We're all so excited for you to minister. He said the first words that the person said to me, the recording artist, I will not be singing a note until I receive my cashier's check. That was the first words. Not, hey brother, so nice to meet you. Hey brother, so great to be here. Hey brother, so awesome to be with your church family. None of that. You know what it was? I will not be singing one note until I receive my cashier's check. That's happening in the body of Christ. That's going on. And you know what? Pastors enable it because they keep paying for it because they think it's so great. Pastors, that now that pastor said, I'll never do it again. He's got wisdom. He didn't know it was going to be like that. But pastors enable it and they let it happen. And these nut jobs come in. They don't have a heart for the kingdom. Well, I've got a heart for the kingdom. Yeah, I bet you do with your $10,000 cashier's check. And listen, I receive offerings that are far more than that, far more. But you know what the difference is? I don't come into somebody's church like, I need, before I come to your church, I need to have this. I need, I'm not coming to your church unless I get 10. I don't do any of that. I don't do any of that. And you know what? God blesses me much more for it. Our ministry is extremely blessed, but I don't have to go into churches. Do you know when, when Carol and I first started traveling on the road? Because, you know, the Lord knows I'll do it. I'll do it for whatever. I'll do it for whatever. I've paid to preach. <laughs> I've paid to preach before. Many times. And the Lord knows I'm willing. You know how much money Carol and I made on the first year traveling as evangelists on the road? So glamorous. I'm going to let you in on this. Get ready for it. Let me tell you how much money we made the first year of traveling. Brace yourself. Because you don't know about this blessing. $5,800. $5,800 in 12 months. I don't hear nobody. By the way, that's less than $500 a month. <laughs> that's less than $500 a month. $5,800. I didn't call no church. I can't come to your church unless you can write me a check for $10,000. I look back and think to myself, how in the world did we function for $5,800? But I'll tell you, I'm still doing it. And I'm more blessed than I've ever been. But I'm just going to tell you, it's because the Lord knows he'd preach if he had to pay to preach. 
he'd preach. I'm wondering that myself now, AJ, now that I think about it. Because <laughs> we were blessed. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Literally by the grace of God. And today, we are blessed. That's two syllables. Blessed. But if you're going to be that, and then take all God's glory, then just be open about it. But don't get up on the platform and say, my God, so glad to minister to you tonight. You ain't ministering. You're there because you got paid. You're a hireling. You're not a minister. You're a hireling. We hired you, sucker. Now perform. Do your little dance. Let me wind you up. Do your little song. And now go home. But you ain't a minister. And people are all acting like rock stars. It's pride. That's why they fall. That's why you see so many people in that industry, in the Christian industry, fall. They fall. Happens time and time and time again. Because it's something you have to guard yourself against. And if you don't, you fall. Don't take God's glory. Don't keep his praise. Stay humble. Stay humble. Don't take his glory. Don't take his praise. Why? I'll give you scripture for it. God resists the proud, but he gives more grace to the humble. That's favor. The Bible says that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. I don't care how anointed you are. I don't care how many people get healed. I don't care how many people are raised from the dead. Don't take God's glory. Don't take his praise. Don't do it. Stay humble. It truly is. Sometimes, and, and I don't get, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have false humility. I don't mind saying thank you to somebody if they give me a compliment. I'm not taking God's glory by doing that. Now, let me, let me give you a, a, a little guideline here before I pray for you. If somebody comes up to me and says, man, I really enjoyed your piano playing. I'll say, thank you. And mean it. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's what I say. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. But if somebody comes up to me and says, man, you are so anointed. I felt the anointing so much in that service. You know what I'll say then? Thank you, Jesus. That's how I respond. Somebody comes up and says, man, you're anointed. You are so anointed. And people come up and say that, probably because they just don't know any, you know, any better. I don't mind people saying it. If somebody comes up to me and says, man, you're so anointed. That was, what a, that was an anointing. Man, you preached and the anointing hit that place. I say, thank you, Jesus. Thank God. You know why? Because he did it. The Holy Ghost is the anointing. Jesus is the anointed one. So if you're commenting on what he's doing, I'm going to thank him for doing it. I'm not taking his stuff. He did that. I said, man, that was an anointed service. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, why? Because I prayed before the service, Lord, anoint this service. Move by your spirit in this service. Touch your people in this service. So when he does it, I don't say, thank you. Yeah, I, I am anointed. No. I say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Why? He gets the thanks for that. 
He gets the praise for that. I don't make it happen. It's not by me. It's by me yielding to who he already is. Somebody says, I like your singing. Thank you. I like your piano playing. Thank you. Man, you're anointed. Thank you, Jesus. He's the one who gives the anointing. And you just, you're just careful about it. You don't have to have false humility. You don't have to have false humility. Well, I'm just under the spout where the glory comes out. I'm too blessed to be distressed. I thank God. Oh, thank, oh my God, it's not me. It's him. Hide me behind the cross. Hide me behind the cross. It's like, please. Please. You can be humble and still thankful and kind. And just accept a compliment. People have gotten to the place where they think they can't accept any compliments. You can accept a compliment. I've come up to people and say, hey, you did a great job with the worship today. Oh, thank God. I already thanked him. Now I'm thanking you. I already thanked him. Now I'm thanking you. It's all right. Enjoy, enjoyed you. Amen. Number one, first thing, you've got to understand, dedicate yourself to your gifts and your talents. Number two, very important, don't try to solve every problem. And number three, don't take God's praise. Don't take his glory. Every one of us are anointed. Every one of us are gifted. Every one of us have talents. But you've got to use them in the way that God's designed you to use them. And don't cast them to the side. I'm going to encourage you right now. It's 2021. We've jumped into a new year. It's the first month. If you noticed, and maybe I, I saw a lot of people writing, man, I felt convicted. I feel convicted. If you're in this new year and you heard me speak this today, or you're listening on the replay or the podcast, you say, you know what? It just brought me up to the place where I started realizing I'm not giving God the things that he's given to me. I'm not returning to him my gifts, talents, abilities. I'm realizing I'm slacking off. I've not been dedicating myself. I've not been giving my time to the kingdom. Now's the time to do it. Now's the time to press in with your gifts and your talents. Let God use you in this new year. And it'll be like, uh, we've been declaring greatest year you've ever had. I want to pray for those of you that are listening and those of you that are watching. I want you to bow your head. Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you and I'm praying for every person watching and listening. First, I thank you that you have gifted them and talented them to do what you've called them to do in the kingdom. Thank you for giving us open doors and thank you for giving us the strength, wisdom, knowledge, and ability. Thank you for teaching us all things. Now, Lord, give us a convicted heart, but give us a hunger to do more for you with what you've given us than we ever have in the past. Lord, give us a hunger to dedicate our time, talents, and abilities to your kingdom to be fruitful, to multiply, and to see souls saved because of our dedication. We'll stay humble. We'll not take your praise. We'll not take your glory. And as we obey you, Lord, we thank you that your favor is coming upon us in a new measure in 2021. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let me encourage you to sow a seed today if you haven't done so this week. Do something by faith today. You're watching, you're connected to this ministry every morning. 
We come on, we're blessed by you, you're blessed by us. But let me encourage you, because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The way to show the Lord, your heart is with the kingdom, is by the seeds you sow. The Lord's speaking to people right now to sow by faith and believe for harvests. I'm actually believing that this will be a year that you have debts canceled by the power of God, supernaturally, things that won't be able to be explained. You'll get a call and say, hey, you know, we've decided to cancel your student loan debt. You get a call and find out that your credit cards are paid off. Somebody called in, whatever it might be. We're forgiving this debt. I'm that kind of stuff. And God will do it. I can't uh, pray against procrastination because procrastination is uh, something that is connected to self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit. And so I can't pray against it. You have to take action to defeat it. It's not something you pray about. It's just in the same way you don't pray for financial blessing. It's something you have to take action to see a harvest come back to you. And so I agree that procrastination is a problem. However, it's not something you pray against. It's something that you, by the fruit of the Spirit, self-control, don't allow yourself to procrastinate. Don't allow yourself to put it off. Do the most important things first. And as you do, productivity skyrockets. That's how it works. And so thank you. Lord, I pray a blessing on all of your people that are sowing seeds today. Thank you for connecting them to this ministry. Thank you for connecting us to them. Thank you for every member of the Victory Tribe. I thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness. Thank you for all they're doing for the kingdom. Jesus' name, Lord, give us a phenomenal night tonight in your presence. Open the windows of heaven over this house. Continue to touch us supernaturally. We thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. If you believe it, you're sowing your seeds. Throw some fire in the comments section. We're going to bless you this month of January. If you're sowing seeds and partnering with us at $85 or more, we're going to send you the book by Gloria Copeland, uh, God's Will is Prosperity. And all you have to do after you've sown your seed is go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. And uh, right there, you can fill out that form. We'll know where to send the book. And we can see how you've uh, sown your seed. And we say thank you. Natifa, it's good to see you on today. Love you. God's been touching you, Natifa. It's amazing to see God touching his people. Love you. Of course, those that are sowing largely, $1,000 or more. And listen, it's time to sow like that. We're touching the world. We're not only feeding hundreds of children every day. We're preaching the gospel now around the world every single week by the power of God. People are receiving the word. They're receiving the gospel. People are coming into the kingdom. You're a part of that. We are literally reaching out to touch the world before Jesus comes. It's amazing. Thanks for hanging with me. We'll be back tonight, 7 p.m. Revival continues. Get here. Get on a plane. Get in your car. We've got people I know driving eight hours. Some are flying in. Come be a part of what God's doing in Roswell, Georgia at World Harvest Church. All the details are at miracleword.com on our schedule page. Address, times, everything. We want to see you in person. It's going to be a great couple of weeks. So very excited. It's been wonderful. We love you guys. Have a wonderful day. And I'll see you again tonight, 7 o'clock, New York City time. Later.
Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.